Real news. Happy June. Okay, it's June 1st. Welcome everyone to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So it's Monday, June 1st. And I hope that everyone has a great month today. Um, and we've learned something about patience. Uh, so patience is a virtue I pretend to have. <laughs> because I already know the outcome. So it's kind of weird. Um, I pretend I try really, really hard. And um, I hope this weekend has demonstrated to you just how in control we are. Because in June, in July, and in August, things will be coming to fruition and things will be coming to the surface that will drive you insane from the perspective of, wait a minute, what? This is happening. Why are they not fired? Why are they not arrested? Why? You have to wait. See, that's the beauty of it. We have people that have infiltrated their movements, students. People that are learning everything, everything. And that's the thing. There are so many people out there right now that have infiltrated every single facet. Because guess what? The majority of them that have uh, helped with the infiltration have uh, danced and tangoed with the deep state at one point or another. And they know exactly how this shadow government works exactly how it works. And that's the incredible part. We're seeing unapologetic stances by the left promoting riots, promoting deaths, promoting destruction. And you know what the bottom line is, what are you going to choose? Do you want mobs or do you want jobs? Because these mobs are simply there to terrorize you. Uh, for example, there was a little woman who was defending her business. And that video has gone viral somewhere right on Twitter and Facebook, where she's standing there talking to a bunch of thugs, right? A bunch of paid protesters that are looking to make money because they get paid top dollar, right? And she was standing there defending her business speaking, right? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 black lives do matter, but please don't, you know, maybe she even said, you know, I'm LGBTQ because for some reason that's the same thing. <laughs> like they care. They don't care. They're not out there for justice for George Floyd because then they wouldn't be spray painting F 12, which means what F the police of narcotics. So here's where it goes. So who is it? That's really funding this. Obviously it's George Soros, but via who? the cartels because it's all the drug dealer thugs that are spray painting and breaking things. Those insane thugs. And I saw it firsthand. I saw it firsthand on the fact that, Hey, my whole building was smashed. I stepped outside the storefront of a boost mobile that is adjacent to it, completely raided and empty. Uh, the Palestinian owned corner shop that has corned beef sandwiches and some iffy donuts, right? Completely ran. The guy ran. He just left. He just ran out and left. The, the, the corner shop, everything destroyed, gutted, you know, I remember I came, I came, um, I was driving home and I, I, I tried to go to park and there were cones and I was like, well, I'll just drive right through those. And I parked and I come up and as I'm sitting there, 
a, a business that's at the lobby of my building, a guy comes out, he's like, run, go, 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 because they've infiltrated the building. And I'm thinking, what? So I like trot a little bit toward, you know, toward my elevator and suddenly two cops in riot gear are like, go, 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 go. And I'm like, what? Behind them, National Guardsmen, behind them, people with rifles, like sniper rifles. And I'm like, what? What is going on? And they, and obviously I could see the windows are smashed. You know, there's gates and locks and the whole nine yards. I'm like, what is going on? And they had tons of people on their knees, the majority juveniles, mind you, that were doing this uh, because they had about 40 somewhat adults uh, that they were rounding up. They were all there waiting for the adult transport to come and get them. The juvenile, they needed to come in a few times. So these are all children. They've ruined their futures. These children ruin their futures for what? You think this has to do with race? You think this has to do with who you like to sleep with? Please. It's never about that. It's about terrorizing you into submission. You either submit or you die. That's what they're telling you. And that's what's interesting is that a lot of people still don't get it. Still don't get it. This is a fight against good and evil. This is a fight against good and evil. This is where we're at. The fake news have gone to the, to, 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 to the extent to use footage from a movie, World War Z, to push the fire narrative. Now, fire narrative, there were fires. I saw them. All of you saw them. They weren't as bad as they say, but yeah, they tipped cars, blew them up set them on fire, but they're using the black community as pawns, complete pawns. This is what the Democrats are. You need to walk away. This is what they want. They want to terrorize you. And if that businesswoman that got her butt kicked by those thugs while she was begging, please don't destroy my business. I worked really hard just recouping from coronavirus or whatever she was saying with her little beanie, all nice to them. They beat her up with sticks and punches. That's what happens. They don't listen. They want you to submit. You need to submit. You need to obey. Unity is what we need. Unity. In the face of all this. So the governors that allowed this to perpetuate have done nothing but help reelect President Trump. Because there were liberal women screaming in Santa Monica. Oh my gosh, stop. You're going to get Trump reelected by doing this. No, they are going to want to say that Trump did it. That's what they want. This is irregular warfare, you guys. But the thing is, if they can infiltrate, so can we. This is an insurgency, and you are starting to see how people of the right are also employed. Also employed. Like I told you on the 29th, huh? hey, it's going to get real ugly. You're going to see some stuff by the 31st. You'll be like, no way. They're organizing protests in the fact that they have actual stacks of bricks for people to take so they can destroy things. We have Barack Hussein Obama on Twitter, on Twitter, demanding for a more concrete, organized thing. Kind of like what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did, protesting safely. Take a listen to this. 
non-descript solid color layered clothing covering identifying tattoos. Number one, why? You don't want to like advertise a brand? Like what's going on here? Two, why are you telling them to cover up identifying marks? But okay. Goggles and mask. Obviously the mask for whatever, but why goggles? Oh, projectiles. So you're expecting things to be flying everywhere. Emergency contacts written down on your hand, on your hand. Like, you know, the list of law firms, you know, that are trying to help you tie up your hair. You don't want anyone pulling your hair. I mean, you're going to peaceful protest, but you should get battle ready anyway. Funniest one, heat resistant gloves. Wait a minute. Were you expecting fires? Like this is summertime. Why would someone get heat resistant gloves? And then it's like, bring your ID, cash and change, first aid supplies. Why? You expecting to get hurt? Earplugs? Oh, booms maybe? Washcloth snacks? Water for drinking and tear gas? Wait, and here's where it gets even better. Don't bring. Don't bring a cell phone without first turning off face and touch ID. You wouldn't want the cops grabbing your phone and putting it on your face. Um, going on airplane mode and disabling data. So don't bring your phone unless you disable data so they can't track you. Uh, you put it on airplane mode so they can't track you. And face and touch ID are disabled. So in case you are arrested, they can't just put it up to your face and open it. Don't bring jewelry and anything you don't want to be arrested with. So don't bring any knives or weed because you might get arrested with the drugs. So she's telling them, just don't bring drugs and, and a knife. And contact lenses. Don't wear them because there's going to be tear gas and you're going to get hurt. This is her guide on being prepared for safe protests. That doesn't sound like a guide for protest. Protests are where people walk and they are peaceful and they're saying their message and da da da, right? And talking about it and spilling feelings and crying and all that stuff. Kumbaya. It's not bad already. So here we have a sitting congresswoman doing this. I mean, we also saw Ilhan Omar who was upset that her city doesn't look too much like Somalia anymore. <laughs> she was upset. You know, the hypocrisy is real, you guys. It is 100% real. Like, these people are are insane. They are insane. You know, it's like, okay... Stop a second. So everything is burning. What are you winning with this? Why are you graffitiing F12? F12 is your narcotics division of the police. Uh, what does that have to do with George Floyd? Now with George Floyd, the whole thing just stinks to high heaven. Stinks. I don't even know what to make of it. It completely stinks. But let's move it along and move on to what they're going to be doing coming up. I mean, this was one. The racial division is not really working that, that well. It's not working that well. They've completely used people as pawns. Cuomo, we need to listen to him because he talks about how these protests are going to spark coronavirus. Oh, dear. His daughter was arrested at these protests, right? So he spoke about that. But when we don't see, you know, these riots, you know, we want no, 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 no more riots. Let's stick to the cold. Let's stick to the flu. Let's, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't have these riots because I just spoke with the president of the United States this morning and he's ready to roll out Marshall. Like we're going to lose it. He's not giving us money for this. They're breaking stuff up and we're not getting any money for this guys. We're screwed.
He is not giving us a penny of federal aid because we didn't do anything. What? So now we're going to roll it back to new coronavirus, right? We really need to, you know, push this mail, uh, you know, vote by mail thing. We need it. We need it. We need it. We have to win no matter what, how many people's teeth we knock out, how many people we kill. It doesn't matter. We're going to get coronavirus. That's the new thing. Corona, Corona, Coronavirus. Here we go. Take a listen to what he had to say. Overall, our officers showed restraint, uh, throughout the day and evening yesterday. Overall, the peaceful protest was handled the way we want it to be handled. Where did he see a peaceful protest in New York? Because I'm really confused. Very, very confused. But here's where he goes with the pandemic. Take a listen. They're scared. They're scared for their health. They're scared for their family's health. They're worried that they don't know where things are going with this coronavirus. That hasn't stopped. Andrew, I think the honest truth is we are dealing with right in the middle of that another absolutely unforeseen moment. That's vast in its scale that if it, you know, there had not been the coronavirus now, this last few days would stand out in American history uh, as a painful, profound moment. And you're seeing it happening literally in cities big and small. It looks like entirely all over the country. So I think we've got two almost, you know, exact opposite realities, if you will, that are colliding at the same time. Now, the disparities pervade both. Let me hasten to say the disparities, the racism that is inherent in what happened with the pandemic is also inherent in all the concerns running through the policing debate. We've got to address them across the board. We've been trying to for years. We have to do a lot more. But to your central point, uh, it's very hard to say to people, you, you know, when there's such pain, there's such anger that if you say, don't come out because of the pandemic, and I think that this is something we grapple with all the time. We don't want people to hear that as we are not hearing your concerns or your concerns are not valid or we don't have to change things. And it's a very tough balance. And again, this is happening on a, a, a such a painful, intense national scale. This is not like before this, we had small protests and I kept saying whatever, whether you're left, right or center, I wish people would stay home, not protest, do it virtually. But this moment Virtually. is an outpouring of such pain and frustration. Years and years, decades, generations of pain and frustration outpouring. This is a different reality. We've had to adapt to it. We've had to try and understand it and address it. And I am very worried about the health impact to the core of your question. I would urge everyone to think about this. And I do think that for those who have made their presence felt, made their voices heard, the safest thing from this point is to stay home, obviously, because we don't want people in close proximity to each other. We don't want people out there where they might catch this disease or spread this disease. Uh, and I think more and more people have to realize there is a danger that it will cause some real impact on the resurgence of this disease. We don't have the facts yet, Andrew. And these things are happening outdoors. That's better, thank God, than if people were gathering together indoors. But there's a real danger here. There's no question there's a danger this could intensify the spread of the coronavirus just at a point when we were starting to beat it back profoundly. So I, I want to beseech everyone to think about that. I would certainly urge everyone, look, if you've made your point, it's time to stay home. If you do go out, please 
try in any way you can to observe social distancing and keep those uh, face coverings on. But Andrew, in conclusion, this is just a horribly complex situation. It just is. Uh, we've never dealt with anything like this, this combination of features, and we're all trying to find our way to the best solutions. That's the honest truth. The next is Marsha from CBS. Mr. Mayor, good morning. How are you doing? I'm all right, Marsha. How are you doing? So I have a couple of questions. First of all, um, at, there, at times it seemed, because of the violent protesters who've joined, that the police have been overwhelmed. And I'm wondering if there's a so-called war plan going forward for how the police are going to deal with both the peaceful protesters and those who would seek to do violence or to loot or to uh, engage the police in, in a violent way. And my second question has to do with the briefing that John Miller gave yesterday about these protesters. Since the NYPD did have intelligence about the fact that they wanted to loot and they were ordered, according to their encrypted messages, to target um, high uh, volume stores, what, um, uh, fancy stores, chain stores uh, in wealthy communities. Why weren't the police able to get ahead of that and stop it? I'll start and I'll turn to the commissioner. The way you opened the question, Marcia, I know you were, you were speaking sincerely, but I, I, I would never use the words you just used there. Uh, we have a peace plan. We have a plan to keep the peace. And even with all the tensions of the last few days, again, thank God, no loss of life. Thank God we have not seen uh, a lot of serious injuries. We had some situations that could have been very, very bad that were averted. Uh, in large measure because uh, police leadership showed restraint and saw situations and dealt with them before they got worse. And we've got things that weren't done well and we have to fix. But overwhelmingly, the plan has been to keep the peace, to respect the peaceful protesters, to deal with those who are aiming to do violence. And that was working. It was not perfect by any how is it working? Like, does he live in like an alternate universe that they were targeting specific businesses? He's insane. He's completely insane. So here is, um, uh, uh, some, <laughs> I just wanted, to... oh gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I want to start with Minnesota, please. Let me just shift gears. I want to start with Minnesota. I just want to, uh, tell you guys about um, Andy Skugman. He's the executive director of Minnesota Chief of Police and he joined Chris Wallace on Fox on Sunday and talked to him. And he was talking about police reform. Guys, I kid you not, police reform. Right now, while the world is burning, he's talking about police reform. Take a listen. Police departments across the country are reviewing procedures after video showing the death of George Floyd while in custody. Joining us now, Andy Skugman, executive director of the Minnesota Chiefs of Police Association, which represents 300 law enforcement officials in that state. Mrs. Skugman, after this terrible incident this week, you put out a statement that your association was, quote, appalled by Derek Chauvin, the police officer's actions, and you applauded the fact that the police chief in Minneapolis fired all four of the officers involved in the incident. Why? Well, Chris, good morning. Thanks for the opportunity. You know, I think there's when we spoke last week, um, you and I spoke, I, I think there's a national narrative or there had been last week that uh, police officers in Minnesota uh, are being trained in the technique that uh, 
uh, Derek Chauvin used, and that is simply not the case. It is uh, the further, furthest from the truth that uh, that exists. Um, we did uh, condemn the actions of uh, of the officer, not only the technique used by uh, Derek Chauvin, but the lack of empathy shown by the uh, other officers on the scene. Uh, we did commend uh, Chief Madera Arredondo from Minneapolis uh, for his uh, quick actions in terminating those officers, and and you know maybe late. Uh, lay folks don't understand, but the uh, the ability to uh, terminate an officer uh, that quickly is is unprecedented. It doesn't happen very much. So, um, as Attorney General uh, Keith Ellison said in your previous segment, um, Madera Arredondo is a phenomenal police chief, and um, uh, he did uh, all the right things here. And he, you know what what those officers did in that video uh, certainly not aligned with uh, all of the values that. Uh, the chief of Minneapolis has worked to instill over his tenure. I want to I, I want to pick up, though, because the police report that was filed after the incident said that George Floyd, the man who was killed, resisted arrest. And it also said that he died at the hospital. When in fact, it appears clear he was dead at the scene. Those were both lies, which raises the question, if there had not been a video in this case, isn't it possible, even likely, that these four officers would still be on the street? Well, Chris, you know, I, I really am not privy to the details and the background of this investigation, so it is hard for me to say that. But, um, you know, the videos, I've said this for many years, I've been in this position for six and a half years, I believe that um, cell phone videos, I believe body-worn camera videos are game changers for law enforcement. Um, they weed out the bad apples um, and, and they can be used to uh, show great things and, and, and that police officers are doing. So video uh, is definitely the key in this case, as it is in so many other cases in this day and age. You know, everybody now is talking about reform and fixing things, fixing things with the police, fixing things with society. I want to put up something that you said, Mr. Skugman. I think law enforcement in general is looking for ways to do a better job of connecting with communities of, <clears throat> of color. You said that back in 2017 on the first anniversary of the shooting of Philando Castile at that traffic stop that we showed in the last segment. Yet here we are, and it's 2020, and we have another case, apparently, of police brutality and the death of George Floyd. So I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to uh, put all the blame on you, but how much should people trust these claims? We're going to make things better when we keep hearing it. Yeah, no, it, it, fair question. Um, you know, the attorney general, um, Keith Ellison, in your previous segment, talked just briefly at the end about a working group uh, here in Minnesota that he and Commissioner John Harrington, the commissioner of public safety here in Minnesota, they co-chaired a working group. It was uh, it got together uh, last year. Um, it's a diverse group, including uh, law enforcement, stakeholders, community members, uh, family members of 
individuals who had been shot and killed by uh, law enforcement uh, here in Minnesota over the uh, over a number of years. Uh, that working group was actually run by Ron Davis, who ran the cops office under uh, in the uh, President Obama administration. Right. I, I, look, I, I just want to, I need to interrupt because we're, we're short on time here. I, sure. I can hear people watching this on TV right now and saying, good, we're glad you did the task force. All of that. George Floyd is still dead. Oh, absolutely, Boom. Chris. I mean, and, and, and the, it's entirely tragic. We, we, all what we're trying to do is I think we just continue, need to continue to work together. Like we got to get rid of this us versus them mentality. We've got to continue the training that their back is up against the wall. They're going to have to admit what really happened. And I mean, do they want to? So after uh, the break, we're going to bring on. Keith Ellison, Mr. Antifa himself, who supports a domestic terrorist organization, Antifa, which we'll get into, um, talking about it and how he's going to, you know, get all of them and do this. No, man, you're going to have to admit what you guys did. You're going to have to admit who these people are. You're going to have to admit it because nobody trusts you. Just like Wallace said, and I love that, you know, uh, putting that little, you know, pressure. Wait a minute. You said you were going to fix this. Oh, it's great. You did all these things. I made a committee. I did this. But in the end, someone's still dead. Or are they? I mean, I'm just saying, are they? So fess up. Let's see what's really going on. That's what we want to know. That's what the people want to know. That's what the taxpayers want to know who are paying for these um, organizations. <laughs> see you in a bit. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. 
For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So here we are, uh, you know, analyzing everything that's happened that way in the next hour when I tell you what's going to happen. You get it because we saw Minneapolis. We saw little Mogadishu set it off. It's always been the twin cities. And <laughs> I mean, symbology will be de- their downfall. They love symbolism. Just like many of us troll them with that, too. I'm just saying. Um, so here we are talking about Minneapolis, uh, showing just how insane they are telling you how they created committees, how they're going to fix this one day, you know, over the rainbow and people are asking for, you know, accountability. So what do we do? Right. What do we do? Well, we get (laughs) Keith Ellison who loves Antifa, who posed with their handbook, right? Which is now a domestic terrorist group. Uh, talking about it. Take a listen to what he had to say. As now, Minnesota's Attorney General Keith Ellison. Mr. Attorney General, over the last five days, we've seen rioters in Minneapolis burn down a police station, force the National Guard to retreat and loot neighborhoods. On Saturday, here's what Attorney General Barr had to say. Groups of outside radicals and agitators are exploiting the situation to pursue their own separate and violent agenda. Do you have evidence that people from outside Minnesota, whether it's far left extremists or white supremacists, that outsiders are hijacking these riots in Minneapolis? We have evidence that outsiders have been present and in some cases have uh, played a very negative role. But I've, I've been talking with protesters and trying to get a sense of who some of these folks are. And I've heard uh, a mixed thing. Some, some of the, uh, the negative stuff has come from people in Minnesota. And some of it has come from people on the outside. What I'd say is we got enough to handle on our own. And that what we really need to do is refocus on uh, on injustice for Mr. Floyd and uh, negative behavior, looting, arson does not help us achieve that goal. On 
Friday, you urged the people of Minneapolis not to react to the National Guard in the streets the way they would to local police. I want to put up something you said. Please remember that this is not the group that you associate with unfair authority. Question, do blacks in Minneapolis have reason to distrust or even to fear their local police? Sadly, yes, uh, there is a history uh, that uh, has been repeated time and time again. I want to say that many officers are great people. I know so many of them. And I think the chief is an extraordinary person. And the mayor and the council deserve a lot of credit for appointing uh, Mr. Arredondo. But it is an endemic uh, problem in the Minneapolis Police Department. One problem is our police federation president operates as sort of an alternative chief who uh, I think undermines good order in the, in the department. So we have uh, our challenges in front of us. Uh, and I think that um, uh, we, we can reform, we will reform, and there's a lot of great officers who want to reform. And it's good to have a chief that wants to reform. While you have been consistent in condemning the violence, on Friday you quoted Martin Luther King saying, riot is the way the unheard get heard. Are you suggesting that something good may come from the violence in the streets in Minneapolis this week? No, the violence uh, really is, 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 is a negative thing. But I think what uh, Martin Luther King was trying to say is rather than, he, rather than uh, simply dismiss uh, the outrage and the rage that people express after decades, really, 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 actually centuries of state-sponsored oppression um, for African-Americans, let's look at the roots of that rage and try to address it rather than just pound it down with massive force. I mean, people are upset for a reason. And to dismiss those reasons means we're going to be relegated to dealing with them again and again and again. I mean, it was is actually it was John F. Kennedy who said, stop. OK, he didn't ask him what Martin Luther King meant. He asked him, what did you mean by that? It seems as if you're OK with it. You said, don't kill the military because, you know, they helped a lot in the Ukraine when we did that IIA. Right. Because that's what we used. We used the National Guard <laughs> to go and get the Ukrainians and the Russians. Well, the Ukrainians to have a civil war. Why do you like Russia? You should love Europe and America, not Russia and civil war. We're seeing this here. And don't 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 take out the National Guard. They're not the people you're targeting. It's the police you want to target. He literally that's what that's what any loser would think. Right. And this is the message that he put out. Now he's saying, well, you know, it's not good. Uh, you know, I don't think that's what Martin Luther. He didn't ask you about Martin Luther King Jr. He asked you about how dare you bring up JFK loser where peaceful change is made impossible. Violent change is inevitable. And, and these are not statements about what they wait a minute. Violent change is inevitable. Oh, you want a bloodbath. You should just see his, you know what? Actually I should just use this for my little piece on Ellison and, um, you know, his, um, little thing, his face is all of detest guys. Wait till you hear today what they're planning believe should happen their statements about what does happen and so i think that's really what the spirit of the comment was 
I want to drill down on this specific case. The fired police officer, Derek Chauvin, was charged with third degree murder, not second degree murder, uh, which has a much stiffer penalty. Second degree does. And the big difference has to do with what he intended to do, whether he intended to kill George Floyd. I have to say we're putting up the video now and it's hard to see anything other than anything questionable about his intent when he kept his neck, his knee on his neck for nine minutes, including three minutes when he was no longer responsive. But I guess two questions. First of all, are you comfortable with the charge of third degree murder, which means he didn't intend to kill him? And secondly, how do you respond to the Floyd family, members of which are saying that they would like to see you take over the prosecution of this case as a special prosecutor? Well, let me say that we are very early in this process, very early. It is not uncommon to amend charges. It is not uncommon to add defendants. Uh, The fact is the investigation is still going on, and it actually is actually in the middle of the investigation or maybe even the beginning of the middle. And so I don't want anyone to conclude that these are all the charges that are going to be there. You know, to ask people to be patient who have suffered so long and been denied justice so long is really asking a lot of them. But if you want to make sure that this case results in a successful prosecution, you got to understand the defense attorneys who are going to be on the other side are very skillful and they will try to break every single link in the prosecutorial chain. So I ask people, no, don't rush this thing. Let's get this thing right. Remember, the Walter Scott jury hung. The the um, Rodney King jury uh, came back uh, acquitting uh, the defendants. These cases, which look so obvious to us watching videotape, you get them in a trial with some really good lawyers, and things can go in a very different direction. So let's get this thing right. As it relates to my role, I uh, you know I am standing uh, behind the process at this point, and the process is that the county attorney has primary jurisdiction. I will say that I'm always there to assist the cause of justice in any way that I can, but I am uh, backing up Minnesota state law, which uh, means that the, the primary right. uh, authority at this point is the is the state is the county. Finally, and I got a little over a minute left here, so I need a quick answer from you. As attorney general, you're part of the power structure in Minnesota, and you have talked in the last few days about a deep dive reform. We're going to fix a broken society. But the fact is, those were exactly the same things that were being said four years ago after a police officer shot and killed Philando Castile at a traffic stop. And in fact, Castile the, the officer who shot him was acquitted. So, so why, I guess, frankly, should we believe, why should people in the community believe you any more than the people who were making those same assurances four years ago? Fair question. Uh, I will tell you that we did have a year-long uh, task force on preventing deadly force encounters with police. We issued a report in February. We had law enforcement, community, civil rights. We had people all over the state of Minnesota. This is a real serious, deeply rooted problem, Chris, and I'm committed in the long term. I believe the commissioner of public safety, John Harrington, is and the governor is. But I'll tell you, you know who used to who called for real change? Martin Luther King called for it. He was talking about. Dude, Martin Luther King is rolling over in his grave. 
right now. Rolling over in his grave right now that you would use him for this. Rolling over in his grave. It is disgusting that they're constantly using a figure that is so critical to, uh, you know, identifying the release of this oppression. It is horrific, horrific. And the fake news will stop at nothing. There is no civility, right? Unless the Democrats win. That's what they want to tell you. You will be under fire. MS, uh, NBC, ABC, CNN, all of them are inciting and demanding division unless the Democrats win. Not one Democrat has come out to condemn these actions. So your choices, mobs or jobs, that's what you pick. Do you want to be under the thumb of terrorism or do you want jobs and prosperity? You know, they did the same stuff in 2018. Do you guys remember that? Do you remember the racial division? Because they got the three R's going. Racism, uh, alleged rapes, and Russia all recycling. The only thing here, like I said at the beginning of the show, has nothing to do with race, nothing to do with oppression, nothing to do with who you go to bed with at night. It has to do with power. Power, power, power. They want to maintain power no matter what. And they are using drug dealers and thugs and people that do not, unfortunately, have the ability to see clear as their pawns. That is what they're doing. Beating people, killing people, maiming people, terrorizing people. My child couldn't even sleep well. She said... Mom, I've lost all faith in humanity completely. Like they're animals. Like why would they tear up my cupcake shop? There's a cupcake shop up the road. They broke it. They annihilated it completely, completely destroyed. Why? What did the cupcake shop do to you? And then they had clowns tweeting out, oh, don't attack black owned businesses. Really? This isn't about race and comments like that or why racism is still alive because they believe because they're black, they're not racist. That all, your skin color determines what type of person you are. This is where we're at in 2020. No, that's where the Democrats want you. They need you to think that you have some kind of mission to liberate some form of people. No, you don't. It's 2020. Nobody cares what you look like, what color you are, what you identify. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Period. You can sit there and claim you're a table lamp. Nobody cares. You identifying as a table lamp does not affect me. So I don't care. Like this is pure insanity and they will continue to incite and push this. None of them have come out to condemn this. None of them, none of them until one of them gets hurt. And that's where they're going with this. You're going to see it. And we're going to talk about it through the next hour too, because they went to the white house. What are we supposed to do? Shoot them up. I'd be like, yo, you come on my property. You get shot. 
Oh, then it's Tynman Square. That's what they're pushing for. That is what they want. Get more people out there. Get more people out there. You know, I, I before the show, I tweeted out a video of a woman that stopped the car. Not saying that I ran the plants here or anything, but they could be working for agencies. Listen to this. Bitch, don't give no group of black men no credit. Don't do nothing. All right? Push them up. Go home. Why would you send that to them? They're going to get in trouble. You stupid. You a retarded bitch. All of y'all. Why the fuck would you give that to them? That shit is wild disrespectful. I don't give a fuck about your friends. I'm talking about this white bitch giving a group of black men a prison throw. Bricks. So here they are driving around in their nice sedans, handing out bricks to young black juveniles so they can throw it at businesses. Hold on. Who are they? White people. Well, we've got their license plate. It's AFP 8360. I mean, we could just run a check, right? Right, Justice Department? We can find it and maybe you'll see that they work for our agencies and or universities that are funded by our agencies. That's how you get to the bottom of it. See, they don't want to get caught. They get paid. They have flyers. Just on Snapchat, a friend of mine sent me a flyer that came across that says, get paid to be a professional anarchist. Get paid up to $200. Remember, direct action gets the goods. Contact your local Open Society Foundation. What? I'm just saying, could it be that someone is trolling them so they can make phone calls? Whatever. Regardless, we all know that George Soros is indeed funding most of this. We know this. Told you this last week. That's why I said the way to stop everything, viruses, riots, the whole nine yards, and even the disgusting Democrats is by labeling him an enemy of the state. See, if you look back, there was an article that I wrote on Hurricane Electric. That's what I called it. Not Crossfire Hurricane, Hurricane Electric. That's actually the server used uh, to exchange information on. And what you'll notice is if you pull that article up on Big League Politics, where I wrote it in 2018, you'll see one company that facilitated the transition team for Barack Hussein Obama. And that company's name is L3 Communications. L3 Communications is widely known within the intelligence community being top-notch on providing communications for, I don't know, foreign policies, foreign this. I mean, we just handed them a big fat contract to Afghanistan under fee. It's as if they're sending our State Department employees to the slaughter. Because why would you give that contract to L3 when you know that George Soros owns it? Why are we giving him access to highly confidential, classified, top secret information? Who is giving out these contracts? Who? They're all aggregating at businesses that that man owns, that animal owns. Label him an enemy of the state and it's all over. There is no more anything. Now they want to push for like, hey, let's get a new wave of coronavirus. Nah, man, it's not going to work. Did you guys hear how the North Carolina police chief said, well, I'm not going to send my people, my police officers to fend your businesses and get hurt. Um, That's what people pay you for. Your salary is paid for by the taxpayer to do just that, defend them. But you know what they don't want to do is shoot them because they're going to have to end up shooting them. And right now what we are seeing pop up 
around the nation, around the nation in suburbia is insane. It is completely insane. We are seeing hypocrisy at its finest, uh, you know, paid, uh, you know, agitators at their finest at their finest. And they have no remorse. They will stop at nothing. Stop at nothing. And the fact that people are asking for the president to restore order is ridiculous. Let them dig their own graves. The president is doing exactly what he needs to do. Exactly what he needs to do and say, what do you need, governor? Well, I'm giving you this. I gave you that. You got weapons. You got people. You got your national. I mean, what do you want from me? You want me to come into your state with my army? Well, then you got to pay me because that's the way it goes. I'm not going to come in there and you're going to say that I came in there to, to, to stop the shootings. You do it. It's your people, your thing. I'm not doing it. That's the trap. That is the trap that if we walk in and we stop, this, this is going to be a problem. But let me tell you something. They're going to get a bloodbath with what they're doing. A bloodbath. They are setting up to get into what they call more suburban white neighborhoods. Uh, you know, remember over the, um, what was it? When, uh, when Minnesota was on fire, they were, they were literally burning, burning. We had the left, right? The left, the celebrities, the celebrities, all of them totally enjoying this. They all enjoyed watching the show. This is what they're doing. Most of them are getting popcorn, waiting for all these idiots to go down there so the shootout can begin. The minute a bloodbath happens, they're going to be so excited. So picture it. They're sitting there with their popcorn waiting for you to do this, waiting for you to defend your home. Remember, it was Chris Martin, you know, Palmer, Chris Palmer, right? He tweeted out the burning affordable housing in Minnesota and said, burn that down, burn it all down, right? And then a couple of days later, he's like, oh my gosh, they just attacked our sister community down the street. It's a gated community and they try to climb the gates. They had to beat them back, then destroyed a Starbucks and are now in front of my building. Get these animals the f- out of my neighborhood. Go back to where you live. I'm sorry. I thought you wanted them to burn down, right? And then he says, tear up your own crap. Don't come where we live it, where we live at and tear your neighborhood up. We care about a community. If you don't care about yours, I don't give up. Wait a minute. You're funding them. You're inciting them. You're applauding them for burning it down. But when they come to your doorstep, you don't want it. See, this is how ISIS works. Okay. This is what happens when you have mercenaries. (laughs) they go to the top dollar. Now let's just say that, you know, they're getting paid, but it's not enough for them. It's not enough for them. And they want more. They want a lot more. They will come to your doorstep. I want to see, Hey, you want to riot? You want to make your point? Go into their neighborhoods. The ones that are cheering you on, but don't want them at your doorstep. No, no, no. Yeah. Why not? That's what you want to do. You want to burn it down. You say it's good. Then go to the people that are paying you. Maybe they want you to torch their place. Who knows? That is exactly what is happening right now. They're advocating to burn down America, to beat Americans senselessly for defending their businesses. Senselessly. Like these people just recovered, like seeing, walking around and seeing all these people. I'm like, 
darn it. They've been open for what? Two days. Now they totally annihilated the business. Listen, the businesses have insurance. All right. That's fine. So they'll be able to start back up again, do things again. But uh, the bottom line is, you know, obviously they're going to get newer stuff. It's going to be rebuilt. We have insurance. All right. But the economy is going to be horrible. Like they can't employ people. They can't work. You know, they can't do this. And then they want to shove another coronavirus down our throat. Uh, This is their plan, but not before the bloodbath. They want a bloodbath. Because they think if they enter into communities like, you know, Texas, like Oklahoma, like North Dakota, like Montana, like South Dakota, where people are armed, that they, they believe that they have the right to go into the person's business. I'll tell you what. If I was the business owner on the corner and I sat there and I have a concealing carry and someone comes in and he starts throwing stuff at me and starts, you know, raiding my place and throwing things at me, you know, I'm pulling out that gun. It only takes one store owner to shoot one person and it all stops because it gets real. But then we have the thugs coming out with guns too. And at that point it gets really messy. So, you know, I was, I was trolling all these, you know, posts from people in Illinois where they're sitting on their balconies and they're sipping their beer and their SIG is right there, right? Beretta on the counter, you know, tons of those photos. And I'm like, they want blood. The left want, they want to kill you. They are okay imprisoning you, beating you, terrorizing you. And now they're okay with killing you too. That's to the extent that they have taken this. They will do nothing, nothing, they they will do anything to keep power. There's nothing that you could say, oh, they wouldn't go there. They're totally going there and they're going there fast. And that's what we need to be aware of. They're going there really fast. I'll see you guys after this break. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So this is a second hour. We're going to continue just to see what they're all saying, you know, the, the, the mouthpieces. And what we need to listen to is Donna Brazil. Donna Brazil, the one that gave the questions to Hillary Clinton, the plant of Murdoch in there for the DNC so she can look at all the communications and know and anticipate and then throw her little spitfire Democrat, you know, type thing but you know she's just an instigator i want you guys to listen to what she had to say he speaks and he makes it worse there are times when you should just be quiet and i wish that he would just be quiet 
or if he can't be silent, if there is somebody of good sense and good conscience. By the way, this is Keisha Lance Bottoms, <laughs> Miss Bottoms. Wow, we've got Beetlejuice Bottoms, Waltz, because he's waltzing with the devil, um, speaking out against President Trump with Jake Tapper. Uh, you know, oh, he's, he's got mommy issues uh, with Jake Tapper, uh, where she says that Trump speaking makes it worse and he should just shut up. Take a listen. In the White House, put him in front of a teleprompter and pray that he reads it and at least says the right things because he is making it worse. That is the Democratic mayor of Atlanta calling out President Trump over his response to the violence erupting at protests around the country. Other city leaders and some Democratic lawmakers also urging the president to tone down his rhetoric. Donna Brazil is the former DNC interim chair and a Fox News contributor. She joins us now live. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Ed. Perhaps more important than what the president says or doesn't say is what kind of action we as a nation are going to take. What are your thoughts this morning after a very long weekend about how you want to see America heal? Well, thanks for asking, Ed. First of all, let me just say that our words do matter. The words from not just the president of the United States, but the words from our clergy, from our other elected leaders, from business leaders, down to the community level. So our words are powerful, and we must understand that at this moment, we must be mindful of the language that we use, not only in describing what happened to Mr. Flood and many, many others, mm-hmm. but also in describing what we want to come out of this. We want to have a nation that is truly reflective of all of us. Everybody in this country, their lives must be valued. Secondly, Ed, we want to understand that when people are hired to protect and serve, they are doing their job in protecting the public. Mm -hmm. And lastly, Ed, we all have individual responsibilities as human beings to look at ourselves, our own conscience. There's no way I can personally stop the spread of racism or any other form of bigotry. But working together with my brothers and sisters, with my friends, my family, my co-workers, we can all solve this. We can make this a better nation, a nation that is truly reflective of the people of the United States. I think that's what we all want. Donna, I listened very carefully and closely. And those are beautiful words. How does looting get us closer to what you just laid out? You know, I, I, I understand and I am quite angered by those who would loot, who would destroy property, shut down businesses, especially grocery stores during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I am totally frustrated with the response of some in the community and, of course, even the way the police have handled this situation. This calls for everyone, everyone, not just those who are out peacefully protesting and injustice, but it calls for everyone to look at what they're doing and ask themselves, is this going to help change change the behavior, change the systems that we want to be addressed? And I do believe that it's important that we talk to them and tell them, as I've seen over and over, all over the country yesterday, Peaceful protesters telling those who are coming in or perhaps those who are angry Mm -hmm. to not destroy each other and the lives and livelihoods of those who 
we want to protect at the end of the day. So on that point, and I promise I'm going to end it after this, going back to the president where we start and give you a chance to weigh in there. But on the leaders in your party, I just looked in the commercial break, Nancy Pelosi's last two tweets, one of her on ABC video attacking the president's response yesterday. The one before that was what House Democrats, she says, are, are doing to have a more just society. Chuck Schumer's uh, last tweet is about how we need to end racism. Yes, sir, we do. But neither one of them are tweeting or speaking out about the violence we're seeing. Why aren't Democratic leaders saying stop the looting, stop the criminal criminal enterprises that are going on? Well, first of all, let's understand that it's not just incumbent upon Democratic leaders, it's incumbent upon all of us. We have turned our politics into combat when our politics should be about compromise. It should be about our values. It should be about something bigger, something better, something that we can all hope for. And we should be mindful of, yes, the tweeting that we're doing. They need to be more constructive, as Senator Tim Scott said, and that means it needs to come from the president. We have one president, Mm -hmm. only one president. We have 100 senators, 50 governors, 435 members of Congress, and thousands of mayors for one president of the United States, and he must speak for all of us. Right. But there are also key Democratic leaders in Congress like Pelosi and Schumer. And you would expect that they would call out the looting. Uh, Please, you know, if you want to respond to that, great. But but I want to end it in the last minute we have on what I promised to do, which is, you know, just talk about whether or not the president's going to give an Oval Office address or not. You've already said that you feel like the tweets have not been helpful. What do you want to hear from the president? What should he do in the days ahead that you think will help us heal? He's my president, Ed. And it doesn't matter who I voted for. He's my president. Just like Barack Obama, George Bush. I can go all the way back to John F. Kennedy when I was born in the segregated South. He's my president. And because he holds the office that we all hold in high esteem, speak to our pain, speak to the promise that this country has for all of us, Mr. President. Don't, don't even focus on what the people who disregard you might be saying. I think at times this president takes it all in the chest. Don't take it in the chest, Mr. President. Lead, lead us into this tomorrow that we were all promised, Mr. President, and disregard the noise. Talk about the hope and the promise. Mr. President, you are, you are bigger than this. Come to this moment No, it's not going to happen. Come to what moment? Come to the moment that you want him to, to take leadership? No, Donna. He's actually come out and condemned it. Not one Democrat has. Schiff, Pelosi, none of them have condemned these. So allow it to be. Allow it to be. He will let you guys own this. I mean, right now, I just retweeted a video of the Latin Kings, okay? We've got a gang, right, of supposed thugs rounding up your paid protesters saying, nah, you ain't going to mess with my neighborhood. And they're going to be voting for jobs, not mobs. And that's the way it is. They don't like this. You cannot use black, brown, yellow, red polka dot people to your mm, to be your little henchmen people will not allow this and we will let that happen but what they are planning is very very vicious listen to how she ends this with the faith in our future and i do believe he can speak to all of us 
And I want to get back again, Ed, yep. whether you are democratically the Republican leader, we have to speak out and speak in ways that heal, that unify, that bring us together. And that's how this ends. And remember, all of us, has a, we all have a duty to check our own, yep. our own consciousness during we this moment. Absolutely do. And I hope that conversation starts right no, at this moment. No, no, we don't. Some, some okay, you're, you're a loser, too. No, we don't. We want the Democrats to come out and speak. We want them to come out and condemn. This is the White House. That's your president regardless, right? So then why are you allowing it to happen at the White House? Listen to how they say, oh, the memory of George Floyd is being dishonored by writers, looters, and anarchists. Because it's not about George Floyd. There are more, uh, you know, white people being killed by police than there are black. Let's put it straight. That's the way the statistics show. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody in Minneapolis came out when that Somali Muslim shot the white Australian woman when she called and pleaded for help. She called twice to 911, asked for help. He rolls up in the car and shoots her point blank. We did not have any riots for that, for police brutality, where she was begging for help and he shot her. She was unarmed. She was the one that called him and he shot her. What about the man who was drunk and disorderly? Seriously, he was singing, really. And they arrested him and they smothered him. And then the cops were laughing while he was dead on the gurney. They suffocated him in the dirt. Oh, but he was white. Why have a, why break stuff and protest when it's a white guy? It only matters when the skin color is the right color, right? That's what matters. We have bad eggs in the police force. I mean, Look, in the state of North Dakota, in Minot, there was an incident where there were cops that erased body cam footage after shooting a person. They erased the body cam footage and, for the sake of Giglio, two of them resigned and then one of them is still like a lieutenant there. And I'm thinking, how is that even possible? Where was the internal investigation? But, you know, we are talking about a little corrupt city that's in debt over $200 million that indeed has been ousted for a lot of criminal behavior and that day will come too. But that's just a little city, right? Tiny city. Tiny, tiny city. But it'll come too because we have them everywhere, everywhere. How do you cut out this cancer of this shadow government, this entitlement that some people feel? I don't know. But listen to the commentary about how it's tainting the memory of George Floyd. Mm. Wall Street Journal and a Fox News contributor. And John, uh, the president has officially labeled Antifa uh, domestic terrorists and Attorney General William Barr just now issuing a statement expounding on the president's sentiments. So is President Trump's messaging hitting the right tone or is it disjointed? Well, I think you're seeing a lot of politics being played at this point with scant evidence to support it. Uh, the president is blaming somebody else for this problem. He's blaming the left, which is a popular target of the president. Uh, he's provided no evidence of that. Uh, mind you, though, politics are being played on the other side as well. Uh, the Democratic governor of Minnesota is blaming the, the right, saying that white separatists are in the groups. They are fomenting violence. Uh, he, too, has not provided any evidence of that, uh, though there seems to be some kind of indication that, yes, right-wing groups have played a role. Where the, pres where the president, where the Republican president and the Democratic governor agree uh, is that 80 percent uh, or some vast majority of the, the, the looters and the rioters 
are coming from out of the troublemakers are coming from out of state when in fact they're both wrong um the associated press tallied up the arrests that had been made through saturday morning and found that the vast majority of people who have been arrested for looting and rioting are from in minnesota so i would just caution everybody to wait for the facts to come out to uh discount the president again blaming the left and the, and the democrats blaming the right uh you know, they're, they're always, Arthel, they're always going to people who show up for a bar fight, right? Whether or not they know what the issue is or care about the issue. There are people who are violent and they will take an opportunity to participate if they see an opportunity there uh, and they'll be looting. And that's what the National Guard and the police have got to separate away from the, the, the peaceful protests. But this is not a new problem in the United States. We've seen this happen before. And you know that all, all President Trump had already tweeted, quote, it's Antifa and the radical left. Don't lay the blame on others. So is it fair to ask, John Bussey, is President Trump base baiting? I think you've seen this before uh, from the president. Uh, he has a tendency to uh, jump the gun on blaming uh, other groups for problems that are much trickier to handle, that require a lot of leadership. We're not seeing a great deal of that right now. It was kind of a president going to watch a rocket launch in Florida, as opposed to perhaps going to Minnesota and to talking to activists there, talking to the governor there, talking to people there. Uh, so this is not uncommon. Uh, you saw also a similar problem emerge from the Charlottesville uh, uh, demonstrations in 2017, where there were right-wingers there, and the president was kind of loath to really blame uh, the white supremacists who participated in that activity there. So I, I would just caution everyone to uh, try to step away from the politics. The president has, unfortunately, has a credibility problem uh, already on a number of issues. Uh, a lot of falsehoods that come out of the White House. But you're seeing uh, some similar reactions on the Democratic side as well. I think that in moments of turmoil like this, best to step back and wait for the facts to come out. This notion that the country's in chaos, the country's not in chaos. There are, there are riots in a number of cities uh, across the United States. But if most people look out their window, they'll see that the country is operating normally. The trick now is to quell the problem, not inflame it, some of the language coming out of the White House, I think you could argue, has inflamed it, this notion of kind of, well, we're going to start shooting the looters. Uh, and also the president encouraging his supporters to come out for a counter demonstration outside of the White House tonight is probably not a great idea. I think the trick is to get people off the streets, get them home, give people a chance to digest what's happened and metabolize the tragedy of uh, George Floyd's death. John Bussey, I have to leave it there. I appreciate your time. Yeah, so George Floyd has nothing to do with it. And the Democrats wanted gun control, right? They're totally not getting it now. Gun sales have soared like nobody's business. And that is the way it is. There is going to be no gun control when we have to protect ourselves from paid thugs, paid thugs. So here we have the press secretary that comes on and uh, she talks with uh, Fox and Friends about how the president has taken every single possible action to ensure that America's streets are safe. And, um, you know, the calls grow for him to give a national address. Uh, he should wait a little bit. I, I think after his talk with the governors today and his lunch with the VP, uh, you know, more should be coming out um, 
at 2 p.m. after the end of this show. Take a listen to what she had to say. Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, who joins us from the White House complex. Good morning to you, Kayleigh. Good morning. I see on the president's public schedule, he does have a video conference with America's governors today to try to figure out what's going on. You know, people from all across the country are looking in. This is the time we look to our leader. We want this to stop. How does the president fix this? Yeah, this president has been very clear that we need law and order in this country. He's taken extraordinary action, uh, talking about activating the National Guard, as we saw happen in Minnesota, criminalizing interstate travel that is uh, geared towards inciting violence, making sure that those individuals are prosecuted, uh, labeling Antifa as a domestic terrorist entity uh, that will be prosecuted as such. This president's taken bold action. This is the law and order president. Going back to his convention speech, he's always been about law and order in this country and he's taking every single possible action to ensure that our streets are safe because what this does this demeans the peaceful protesters who have a legitimate grievance when we see angry mob mentality take over and those horrific images of businesses burning um, and fires in the streets of this country Kaylee, I know many are asking the president to please give an Oval Office address on these riots because our country is just experiencing so much chaos right now. Have there been conversations with him about that? Do you think he'll say yes to that? The president has addressed this repeatedly. So I looked and going back to the first day he saw this video, he has addressed uh, the absolutely horrific video of George Floyd. He's routinely addressed both in his remarks less than 48 hours ago, the issue of law and order in our streets. He's issued several statements. But here's the thing, Ainsley, a national Oval Office address is not going to stop Antifa. What's going to stop Antifa is action. And this president is committed to acting on this. He has several meetings pertaining to that today. And that's his focus right now is acting and keeping our streets safe. So, uh, Kaylee, I just uh, a quick statement. I mean, obviously, we watch Antifa and some of their acts, and we've seen this uh, before. When there was a time in which we weren't all wearing masks, they just were. Now we all are. Mark Bray, who wrote a book on Antifa in 2017, uh, pretty much the only one I've seen out there, says, quote, the idea that Antifa is masterminding what's happening over the last few days, if you know anything about this subject, is ludicrous. Is this an amorphous organization, instead of just an ideology? And are we giving them too much credit? I don't think so. You know, look, when you look at the Twitter feed of Antifa, you see that they are directing some of this. Um, when you look at the horrific graffiti that I see in the streets, it's about overturning capitalism and, and really crude messages. Um, they are certainly behind this. AG Barr has mentioned to that effect, and, and so has Ambassador O'Brien. And criminalizing, making sure that they are labeled as domestic terrorists is so important because, as I noted at the top, there are legitimate, peaceful protests out there and I've seen them I saw a video here in DC where you know a, a violent rioter was cobbling the street in an effort to throw bricks at police officers and it was peaceful protesters uh, that stopped this individual so we've got to discern and distinguish this violent Antifa from the protesters who do have a legitimate grievance sure uh, where are they getting all those bricks I'm just kind of wondering about that uh, of course, yesterday, the president of the United States did say that he wanted to designate Antifa as a domestic tor uh, terrorist organization. But, Kaylee, uh, the president also said that Democrats are not tough enough on the violent protesters and the... 
Just one second. She makes a great point. I mean, all of us in the United States have the right to protest and they are in, you know, infiltrating protests that are done because people really believe this thing is real. And, you know, they really think racism is alive with because they've been educated like that through their schools. But they are infiltrating that right. They're taking away the right of Americans to actually assemble peacefully. That's another thing. I mean, this is probably why gangbangers are also helping round them up. Troublemakers and whatnot. Why did he designate the Democrats are not tough enough? Yeah, I think when you look at some of the befuddling actions, like right here in D.C., the mayor of D.C. didn't issue a curfew until 11 p.m. Uh, well, guess what? At 10 p.m., you had St. John's Church burning. Several other cities had curfews at 4 p.m., at 5 p.m., at 6 p.m., and some of the actions are, are really not tough enough, as the president noted, particularly with the mayor here in D.C. Uh, and when you look at these horrific actions, you know, I just want to note how completely wrongheaded the fact is that, that you had the veteran Affairs Department defaced in the word veteran, completely spray painted off the building. You had the Lincoln Memorial defaced, a beautiful symbol of um, a president who overcame some of the deepest racial divides in our country. And to have those institutions defaced really undermines the message. We're targeting Antifa. It's very important. And the president's also going to put an onus on Democrat mayors to be as tough as he has been. All right, so uh, Bill Barr said that the DOJ is going to be using its network of 56 regional FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force to ID these criminal organizers and instigators. How is he going to, how are they going to be able to do that? Yeah, so this task force will be looking into each and every incident that comes our way, uh, looking at it through a domestic terrorism lens using Title 18, Section 2331. That's a big portion of the domestic terrorism statute, and it basically will give us broad investigatory power to, um, to, to investigate these activities and to ensure that the individuals who are, are looting and the individuals who are Antifa and who are behind the violent actions we're seeing and the burning down of some of America's um, built buildings, as we saw here, St. John's, a beautiful historical monument burning, that these will be prosecuted under the fullest extent of the law. Kaylee, it's hard to imagine, but it seems like uh, Georgia's death and the pandemic have been overwhelmed by these riots. In wake of the riots, has the president talked to maybe some of these governors, like Governor of New York, with sadly 56 deaths, but dramatically down from its peak? to release the, the lockdown and allow some people to defend their own businesses or get back into business so we're economically not flat on our back along with what goes on with these protests that's destroying these cities? Yeah, the president wants to reopen this country. He's been clear about that. Um, I spoke to him about half a dozen times yesterday and talked to him that he's been on the phone with governors. Um, he is making sure that our country's reopening, but that we do so in a way that protects our streets, keeps mm -hmm. our streets safe. Um, it's inexcusable what we've been seeing play out across the country. Right. And, you know, Kaylee, that church that uh, they burned yesterday down in the basement is just one block from where you're standing right now. And all the violence, a lot of it, is just outside the gates. How freaked out are some of the people who work at the White House about what's going on just over the fence? 
Look, we feel very protected. Secret Service um, is remarkable, and they've been doing remarkable work. So we feel safe here um, behind the White House gates. But look, we want America to be safe. We want to come together as one country. We're better than this. America's stronger than this. America is about unity. I saw beautiful videos of police officers and protesters hugging. That is what defines us as a country, not the burning of St. John's and the looting and the rioting we've seen. So we're coming together as a country, and that's our single singular focus here at the White House as we get back to work. We need to get back to, we don't want mobs. We want jobs and they don't want us to have jobs. They want mobs. And you're going to hear some really creepy stuff coming out because there's going to be news reports because there have been infiltrators within their ranks and it's all about to come out. FBI, Congress, Senate, all of them part of this right after this break. So welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So what you need to know going forward is, is that you've just seen the beginning. The fact that the media is using altered video from movie scenes to make you scared. The fact that we have Democratic governors providing safe zones and not doing anything to combat Antifa is even bigger. This is the problem that we have. This is the problem that we have, that they are doing it and they are unapologetically supporting it. There are reports around the nation in conservative states where they have weapons, they have bricks, they have Molotov ready to deploy in neighborhoods. Now they're not going for the stores. They're going for your neighborhoods. They want you to be terrorized as you try to sleep in your home that someone is going to be thrown. Throwing Molotov right through your window, a brick through your window, destroy your car, set it on fire. That's what they want. Because if you do not submit, we will destroy you is their message. So all you have to do is think what mayors are allowing this to happen. What Congress people are pushing this? What senators are pushing this? Congressmen are pushing this. Governors, mayors, city officials, who are they and where are they? Those are the places that need to rethink. Do I vote Democrat or do I vote Republican? What do I do? Do I want jobs or do I want mobs? And here we go where we see, uh, we see who sits where. Andrew McCarthy came out announcing he plans to death. And asked and calls on President Trump to restore order. Mm, listen. Designate Antifa as a terror organization. As Attorney General Barr points to the far left group as responsible for stoking violence at protests across America, saying, quote, the voices of peaceful and legitimate protests have been hijacked by violent radical elements. Groups of outside radicals and agitators are exploiting the situation to pursue their own separate violent and extremist agenda. The violence instigated and carried out by Antifa and other similar groups in connection with the rioting is domestic terrorism and will be treated accordingly. The words of the Attorney General. In the meantime, Andy McCarthy right there joins us, former Assistant U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, a Fox News contributor. Andy, good morning. 
Morning, Ed. I want to get to what you think we should do about it, but let's start simply with what Antifa is. You write that it's got this European pedigree, uh, goes back to the self-described anti-fascist movements of the 1920s, but uh, they end up causing a lot of chaos themselves as they claim to be anti-fascist. And there are many who believe they're behind some of these violent protests. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think they are a terrorist organization, Ed, but... While the name has a European pedigree, the group as it operates here, which is a loosely knit uh, sort of association, uh, is a domestic organization. And therefore, when we talk about designating it, it's really not a relevant conversation under U.S. law because our formal designation process is only for foreign terrorist organizations. Mm -hmm. We don't need a designation when a group is operating domestically because we have an array of laws to deal with terrorists. So, you know, you, you can designate them kumquats if you want. The important <laughs> thing is how you treat them. They're a terrorist organization. They should be treated like a terrorist organization. So very direct. They are a terrorist organization and ah, European roots. You mean open society. You mean George Soros. You mean the article I wrote last week, which unfortunately I sent, I, I, I published late last week because I have been extremely busy. Like I said, we have infiltrated everything because if you can monitor us, then we can monitor you. If you can infiltrate us, we can infiltrate you and some of us years ahead and years behind. So time traveling Tory tells you that June, July and August are going to be like someone's pulling our teeth out with no numbing needles. Right. I don't know if any of you have had that done, um, you know, root canal with no sedation or any, you know, numbing. That's how it's going to feel. You're going to be like, this is insane. Kind of like, hey, we've got state officials, we've got federal officials, we've got universities, university professor, big tech, you know, big businessmen, even news anchors, Congress, Senate, you name it, that are part of Antifa attorney generals too. And yet... Why are they not in jail? This is a domestic terrorist organization that has a five. Wait, wait a minute. It's a not for profit. You guys, it is a nonprofit. They are a nonprofit who and what state has them as a 501c tax exempt organization dedicated to advancing the cause of anti-fascist understanding. Now, I wrote a little piece for a magazine called Polyquads over a year ago where I said Antifa is a domestic terrorist organization. Obviously, you can see the rebuttals that came from all these clowns supporting it, saying they were peaceful. They were not because they were getting money from where we know. And now is the time... Now is the time where we can cut that funding and you will see just how many cords get cut with that simple snip. That simple snip where we label George Soros as an enemy of the state and all the funding goes. But the problem is he is so well embedded within the United States. You can't just make the call from one day to another. So what we are doing is making sure that these organizations like AutoZone, Target, you need to buy back your stock. You need to sell it off or you need to shut down. State Department, FBI, Justice Department, CIA and other alphabet agencies that use 
use contractors that are in part owned of George Soros. You need to cut that out. You need to get him off. You need to, you know what? Actually, let's just stop doing business with you altogether. And why is the State Department funding uh, George Soros funded things? Why do we have people of the Atlantic Council sitting in positions of power, politically appointed or career officials? They all need to go. We stop funding the who. That was step number one. Step number two would be the UN. And this is why it's important. The DSA has infiltrated our beloved Native American communities. The United Nations have agreements with tribes across the nation declaring tribal land their land. Do the Native Americans know about this? Do they do they know that their chiefs have signed over their property, their sovereignty to the United Nations? Ah, yes, they probably don't. And the documentation is out there. And this is where it's coming down to. The president of the United States is going to be heading straight into the mouth of the lion on July 4th. Secret Service really needs to get a hold of this because up there, they've got it. The U.N. can declare international territory in surrounding land masses where our president will be going. This is not what we want. This is not to be had. They will stop at nothing. And this is a forebo, <laughs> a really, really big warning. Now, obviously taking heed, uh, possibly we can mitigate any such actions, but you know, if they succeed, what's the point of mitigating? The bottom line is we're going to see this escalate. It's going to get more insane. And listen to what else he has to say about Antifa being a terrorist organization. I just retweeted out someone who says that they are the chairman of that organization and the state of North Dakota, which, by the way, has the most tribal lands, by the way, and the most U.N. agreements, by the way. Remember Dakota Access Pipeline? Remember that? How was North Dakota not prepared? How were they not? They were prepared. They did this on purpose and they have to because they have foregone most of the tribal properties, just so you know. So here we have them, Antifa, terrorist organizations. Go to your secretary of state and see if your state has allowed them to register as a 501c business. That's what needs to be undone immediately and find out who, what, when, and where registered Antifa as a 501c in their state because they are now domestic terrorists. Um, And you know what? I'm just going to throw this out here. We already know knew this was happening. I mean, I didn't just write that article over a year ago just cuz. Cuz you know there are a lot of sealed indictments and people are like, well, "What was that? That was a just wait. Just wait." In what you're saying because there are existing laws on the books. You actually prosecuted terrorists when you're inside the Justice Department. So our viewers are watching this chaos and I bet some including me are wondering why is it not being stopped in a lot of these localities when in fact we have these laws on the books. What would you suggest be done to crack down finally? Well, I think, Ed, there's two tracks that have to be pursued, and both of them have become more difficult because of the passivity of the federal and state authorities. I'm not saying that they're not reacting at all, but they've been too slow to react, hoping that this would kind of burn itself or exhaust itself, and that's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. So on the law enforcement track, you have to prosecute them. And as I said, we have a, a large array. I prosecuted terrorists in the 90s for 
uh, waging war against the United States. There's a statute that deals with that. For an interstate group like Antifa, you can use the racketeering laws. As the attorney general said, there's laws against rioting. There's a lot of laws that we can use. But law enforcement by itself cannot restore order. And under the Constitution, this is not like in the discretion of the president. The president has an obligation mm. to protect the states from insurrection and domestic violence. Yeah. So that has to be done, including deploying the armed forces to the. No, we are not deploying the armed forces. We're going to let the governors own this. We're going to beg them to revoke their right to sovereignty so we can come and save them. That's how it happens. Because the governor is going to say, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Help me. No, man, it's your business. Are you asking me to come? Forfeit your sovereignty. Resign. And then I'll come in. That's how we have to do it. I'll tell you what. This terrorization is real. So yesterday where I lived, the police had courted off the whole area. I couldn't get back home. Like I was on the phone with a friend of mine talking and I was like, yo, I, I really need to go get cat food and some milk and I'm trying to get out of here. Um, and I see on the bridge, a bunch of cops and I'm like, yo, what's going on? They're like, yeah, if you leave, you can't come back. What do you mean? I he's like, you better turn around. And I'm like, what the? but there's nothing here. It's all been destroyed. I can't get milk. I couldn't get cigarettes. either. <laughs> I can't get anything. And you're telling me that I can't come back. Uh, I live here. Yeah, we understand, but that's not going to happen. So turn around and I decide to take, uh, you know, the East route and I'm like, okay, there's blocks. Maybe I can go through every single block was blocked. They actually expanded it more blocks, not just the immediate vicinity. And so I had to actually show proof that I live where I live because, you know, uh, you know, like lease agreement and whatnot. So they can let me go home because I went out to go shopping. So here's me and my daughter in the car driving and we're out, you know, by an area that's east and, and nobody goes there really. And she's, she says to me, mom, you have a Trump sticker. We need to take it off the car. I said, no, honey, why? Because it just makes us a target. And I said, so you take your Trump sticker off. You don't voice your opinion. You're just kneeling down. She says, that'll get us shot. They could shoot us here. And I said, don't let them terrorize you. They can't do anything. God is with you. The minute you allow that idea in your head, it happens. Uh, you're protected. And you should never bow down. If one thing we should be teaching our children is to stand their ground with the armor of God, nothing happens to you. Nothing. And yes, I drove my car through the east and, and, and okay, I got a few middle fingers. I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. Uh, but no one smashed it up. No one shot at me because I believe that that's not going to happen to me. Then maybe I know that it's not going to happen to me uh, yet, I guess. But this is what they want you to do. They are conditioning you to kneel down and be scared to stand your ground. They're allowed to. They're allowed to say whatever they want. You're just not allowed to. They can say, hurt you, throw things at you, shoot you, kill you, knock your teeth out while you're down. 
and you can't say a word. You can sit there and plead and say, please, I've lost everything. This is my business. It was closed down with cover. Please don't destroy it. I can't. I won't be able to make. And then they beat you for it. That is the left. They don't care about you. They hate you and their celebrities and them. Nancy Pelosi is probably sitting in her kitchen with her expensive ice cream, licking her spoon while she's watching the nation burn, saying, yes, get him. Yes. Push, push, push until Trump shoots one of you so we could say he's a dictator and killed people. This is what they're going for. And then, you know, since most of them are black children, juveniles, juveniles, guys, more juveniles than adults. Remember the lady that I played who was cussing out a car filled with white middle-aged people giving bricks to young black men to throw. Why don't they throw it? Why are they giving the brick to a young black man to destroy his life or get him shot? That's what they want. They want you to shoot. They want you to shoot. So for all of you that are going to come under attack this week, aim for the legs. Aim for the legs and take them down. No one will fault you. Aim for the legs. Because even the, even the people that are sitting there believing in their minds that this is a good thing, that riots are just protests because they still call them protests for some reason. These are riots. The purge, right? The purge. You see them. It, once you shoot them, just go for the legs, guys. Go for the legs. Disable them. That's, that, that's, that's, that's advice I've given to my children too. Don't ever go for the upper body. Don't ever go for the head because you will have to live with that. Go for the legs. Annihilate them so they can't come near you. Shoot them in the legs. Shoot them in the legs or in the hands. In the hands. If they have weapons in there, once you disable them in the legs, you disable their hands. That's what you do. Disable them. Do not kill. I, I say this as loud as I can. Do not kill because you will be wearing that blood. Regardless, if you are defending yourself, you will have to wear that on you and you will be giving the Democrats exactly what they want. So make sure you aim for the legs when they come for you in Arkansas, when they come for you in Louisiana, when they come for you in Texas in Oklahoma in New Mexico and Tennessee, when they come for you, aim for the legs. Because this is what they want. They want the president to use force. They want someone to use a gun and shoot a young black man. Because it'll definitely be a white person. This is why they are targeting the affluent white neighborhoods. Because that's what they need to show. And listen to them calling out for the president to take charge. Please do not take charge. Please allow them to own this. The extent that that's necessary in places where you have such unrest that that's the only uh, possible alternative law enforcement can't accomplish that so to be clear you know local police obviously have to do their jobs there are governors who are calling in the national guard but you write very directly right. the president has the constitutional power to restore order he must act in the last 30 seconds what then as the president later this morning is going behind closed doors with the attorney general william barr what must they do after that meeting? I think they have to have a plan for, first and foremost, restoring order. We owe that not only to, to peaceful people, we owe it to peaceful protesters. But it's got to be done. It's the first obligation of the government is to restore order. And then you convey that the laws will be enforced. And I think it's important 
for the president and the attorney general to continue making that clear. Andy McCarthy, appreciate your insights this morning. Thank you. So he wants the president to take charge. No. Let them own it. Let them beg for the federal government to step in. Let them. Because what they want is instigation. What they want is the minute the president takes charge, he's going to say it was the president that did this. He's a dictator. That's what they want. They want us to walk into that trap. They want us to be there. But then on the other hand, the president is thinking, well, what can I do? They're going to go into these neighborhoods with people that own guns, that own tons of guns, that go hunting, that arm themselves, that believe in the Constitution of the United States of America, right? And what if one of them ends up shooting them? And uh, thing is, make sure you shoot where it hurts. Someone uh, responded to me on Twitter saying, no, 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 shoot for the center mass. No, the legs. You know why? Because they're going to hurt forever. You know, you shatter that bone and they need to get that redone. Every time the weather changes, they're going to remember that choice they made. They might be having a limp for forever. That is how they're going to remember that day. The day they made the choice for what, 50, 100, 200, $500 to go and kill white people. That's it. They want a bloodbath. That's what they want. None of them are talking because that's what they want. They want American people to shoot young black people. That is what they want. That is what they want. A white person that's affluent that is going to go there and he is going to get shot and die. That's what they want. Getting shot is okay. Self-defense. I don't care what you say. It's self-defense. And when that person does it, then more people are going to join. Oh, you killed. Nope. Nope. You trespassed on their property. They had every right to. So it's going to be really difficult to stand with it. But as you can see, Antifa is now a domestic terrorist organization. And that's coming down. You have to wonder what happened. So we had coronavirus. CDC completely lost credibility. The who is done. It's done. It's finished. And the fact that we've defunded the who, we should get rid of Fauci. Fauci the fraud should go since he's on their board. That's done so quick, right? No coronavirus anymore. Everybody's protesting together with mask point of the mask. You can't see them. That's the thing. When someone comes in with a mask, how are you going to recognize them? <laughs> False lashes, contact lenses, contouring. You think you're really going to see the person? That's the way it is. So here we have senators, potential presidential candidates, presidential candidates, celebrities, all funding these riots. Justin Timberlake tweeted out, here's how you can fund the Minneapolis Defense Fund, whatever he did. What? This is aiding and abetting. Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar's daughter, telling people to bring tennis rackets and hockey sticks. That's not a protest. That's a riot. These are the things all of us should be paying attention to. Insurrection Act. Restore and order in our cities, they claim. Not yet. Come on. Give it some time. Let us have the governors bend the knee. Bend the knee. Because they expect him to do. Oh, we're calling for you for action. You better do something. You're a loser president. Well, wait a minute. I'm the president of the United States. You want me to send the military? Are you asking me to do this? Make it clear. You want me to send the military? Tell me, Governor Cuomo, you need the military. I'll send them. Tell me, though, live. So people don't say that I sent it as a dictator. Hey, Mayor Beetlejuice, 
Hey, you want you want the military to come save you? Ask me in public. Ask me to send the military since you with your National Guard and police can't tame the people. That's what has to be done. Don't call and say, oh, he's sitting on his butt and he's not doing anything. No, he's doing exactly what he needs to do because this is how they psyop you. They make you believe that he's not doing anything. They're telling you he's not doing anything. So you sit there and scathe. Why isn't he saying something? He better. Nope. Say nothing. Do nothing. Make them publicly beg you to send your military to fix this. Because then when things happen, you're not responsible. They begged me. They were that bad. They begged me. Beg the president to send the military. Don't send it on his own. That's the way it has to be done. Because if we send the military without being begged online, that can go pear-shaped really quick. Listen, I want to jump right in. Because- listen to Brett Baer. Because we are getting some notes via the Associated Press for that closed briefing that the president had that teleconference with leaders across the country, governors. And one of the things that we're learning behind the scenes is that the president reportedly is being urged to make some kind of an address to the nation. And this has been a drumbeat because we've been hearing it really since Friday. What is the latest on that that you've learned? Well, I think there's a hesitance inside the White House. Uh, There is uh, a determination whether he's going to do it or not. You heard the press secretary earlier today saying uh, speaking doesn't stop uh, Antifa. Those are her words. Um, and I, I think that there is a call that there wants th- that even some of his allies want him uh, to step out beyond Twitter and beyond this phone call where he kind of right. went after governors for being weak in the face of uh, what they're seeing in rioting and looting. Uh, Harris, I I think there's maybe some skittishness on the behalf of White House aides after the last Oval Office address, March 11th, at the beginning of the coronavirus uh, pandemic and what was happening. The fallout from that speech did not go well. Uh, But this is a different moment. And uh, this is America in crisis. uh, And likely you're going to hear from this president. Yeah, and we should hear nothing about the Insurrection Act unless the governors ask for it, unless they ask for it. Do not do anything, President Trump, unless they ask for it. Let the Democrat governors beg you and ask you in public to step in. Do not make the choice yourself. Guys, pray, 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 because they are out in full force. To all of you in those states that are on their targets, I pray for you. Remember, aim for the legs so they can remember it for the rest of their life. That's a scar that won't heal. I mean, your gut, it could. But your legs, never. On that note, God bless everyone. Pray. I will see you tomorrow. God bless.